Hello and welcome to Changing Africa, a CU Meets. I'm Hasnain Hirji, CEO of Action Group. For more than 20 years, I've led Pan-African companies as a CEO. And now, more than ever, the spotlight is on Africa's infrastructure and development. On Changing Africa, I'll speak to prominent African leaders who are changing our continent for the better, asking them about their mission, how they view Africa and African business, and their prediction for the future. I'm very excited to meet today's guest, Lorin Kwasi Olson, founder and CEO of Birimian Ventures, whose professional achievements and commitment have gained significant recognition within the African financial services and private equity industries. Lorin, welcome to the Changing Africa podcast. Thank you, Asnan. It's my great pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lorin, to have made it today. To introduce you, you've been identified as one of the 100 most influential African women and nominated twice for the Choiseul Institute list of emerging economic leaders of the continent. And I'm not listing the other nomination you got. Your current company, Birimian Ventures, is a long-term investment company championing African heritage luxury and premium brands. But before you start to talk to our listeners, I also wanted on a personal side to thank you so much, Lorin, to have made it because you've suffered a personal loss recently, a few weeks ago, and we've just chatted a few days before this call about it, and have been very much inspired and impressed by your reaction. So thanks again for that. Thank you, Asna, and I think it was really important for me to be here and, and also to share that story, but also the, the reaction and, and, and what it, it's actually inspired me as a force and as a strength to move and go beyond and, and to be very transparent. I've lost my mother uh, three weeks ago. It came as a shock, but today it gives me even more strength to, 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 to work harder and really to make sure that I, I leave a legacy. And I think we'll have the time to, to discuss it during the podcast. But, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that, um, that event with you and with all the listeners and also to, to explain how we can transform adversity into opportunities for, for greater growth. So may your mother souls rest in peace and I'm sure where she is from, she's listening to you and she must be very proud. I'm sure our listeners would like to know your journey. Tell us about how you started out in business and what brought you to be where you are today. I think, well, it, it all comes down to who we actually are. So uh, to start by this, um, I was born and raised in Ivory Coast, Côte d'Ivoire, and I've always, I think, been fascinated at a very young age by that differences between our continent and the rest of the world. And I'm talking about a time where uh, we were going through financial crisis, economic crisis, uh, financial adjustment from um, the uh, Monetary International Fund, for instance. So 
ever since my young age, I think I was driven by that strong desire to make a difference, to impact and to change the face of our continent. So um, after my studies in Côte d'Ivoire, um, I went to Paris for Ecole Préparatoire and then to EM Lyon. And very quick, I've started to work at Lehman Brothers, so in mergers and acquisitions, so in finance and in the golden world. And I think uh, part of my journey is linked to several shocks which completely and drastically changed the way I was see I was seeing the world and things. The first one was the Lehman Brothers collapse, which made me understand that at the end of the day, finance needs to serve a purpose because without that purpose, I mean, it's not a tool. So my goal was then to make sure that whatever financial position, I mean, position I will have in, the fin in any financial institution will need to serve a purpose. So this is where I've joined Proparco in the financial institution team. And I think it was uh, a changing also, a second shock and a, a second, I would say, drastic experience in my life because this is where I've, I've realized and I've rediscovered my Africanity. I was coming from Côte d'Ivoire, but I think without any kind of strong ties with the continent, I wouldn't call myself an African. So this is where I've started to uh, travel and also work with different kind of uh, African countries, especially through the, the art of the African economies, which are financial services industries. And um, it was an amazing experience because we create great value for those African companies. So I was their advocate. I was there sometimes call myself translator between two sides of the world, the African continent and Europe. Tell me one thing. You said that you travel extensively on the continent. Yes. What were the three takeaways you had when you traveled in certain places? What have you discovered that was striking to you? Thanks, Ethan. Like three takeaway diversity. I mean, our continent was so diverse that you couldn't deal with an Ivorian the same way you'll deal with a Kenyan, the same way we'll deal with a Ghanaian, for instance. So our strong diversity. The second takeaway, the great potential. Because when I started my career in 2008, for example, on the continent, everybody was calling it like the hopeless continent. Slowly but surely, the financial crisis changed completely the, the, the way people was looking at it. So great, great potential. And the third takeaway, the youth. The fact that we were one of the youngest continent on the world. So this also comforted me on the fact that I was at the right time, at the right place, and that I really needed to strengthen my capacities in terms of finance, private equity, and also investing in our economies to really unlock our potential and make them grow. So to cut it short, I think that throughout my career, my objective was to be the an accelerator of African economies growth, an accelerator of the private sector growth, and an accelerator of our private sector potential and sustainable expansion. And this is what I'm doing today, but differently in the African, well, in the creative industries. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned your three takeaways, diversity, potential, and youth. I mean, yes. it, I, I, was, uh, I was being interviewed a few, few weeks ago uh, on RFI, uh, and I was, I mean, mentioning the same thing. People tend to, to confuse and say that Africa is like one block, 
I mean, there's so many diversity and different culture, people, economies, nations. We shouldn't call it one African bloc, but we've got various Africans. And I totally agree with you about the potential and the youth. I mean, we're seeing over the last 10 to 15 years, the amazing leapfrogging we're doing mm. on so many sectors from telecommunication to fintech. So I totally agree with you. So now, one thing that is very much of interest to me, <laughs> you work in huge institution, Lehman Brothers, Proparco, for our listeners, Proparco is the uh, private arm for private sector development on, uh, worldwide of Agence Française de Développement. So coming from this background of institutions, bank, you started your own career as an entrepreneur. Tell yes. me about that. What is, <laughs> this is very, I mean, interesting because generally speaking, when we start on this institution, we continue. And I mean, you did something totally different and you said, no, I want to found my own company. And I mean, as men, not only did I decide to go on through the entrepreneurial path, but I I choose, I've chosen one of the most difficult sectors, which is the African creative industry. Well, I mean, it takes a kind of craziness, right, to go into this kind of uh, crazy path. But no, to, to, to take it more seriously, first of all, I've always disliked comfort. So so I've, I've always been the like the kind of people who will try to go into disruptive path because when something is too easy comfortable and this was my situation at Amethyst I was in a very comfortable seat being the regional head for the the, the main I mean uh, regional office covering Francophone Africa for one of the first French African uh, French um, private equity fund dedicated to the continent so very comfortable position but I think my drivers were, first of all, the impact. And remember at the beginning of our conversation, I've told you that ever since my young age, I've always be, been driven by having an impact. And I think at some point, this is true when you're working in private equity, you're dealing with large companies. It's not that you don't have an impact, but you're impacting differently. So I was thinking to myself, what can I do differently to make sure that I have a greater impact? So first driver. The second driver is actually a coup de foudre that I've had uh, when I went back to, uh, to, to Africa. So I was there in, in Paris for like more than 10 years and I've decided to relocate to, to Abidjan and this is where I've, and where and when I have encountered the beauty of the African creativity. So this is where I've realized that our continents, as people, as Africans, were very talented when it, when it came to creation. But guess what? We didn't have the financial tools. We didn't have the, the, the structure. We didn't have the ecosystem. Our designers are deprived from everything, yet they are like so resourceful to be able to, to, uh, to create and to expand onto the social network that I've realized that there was a missing link between their talents, their creativity, and their own resources, which were lacking um, to, to enable them to, to really grow and, and expand and excel. So this is where I realized that my impact would be stronger in that segment. Why? 
because I could actually link my professional expertise and signature, which was financing private equity, private investment, and accelerating private company with my passion for fashion and creativity. And I was like, okay, this is the natural way to go because then it comes so naturally to me that I would, to me, necessarily, well, succeed, which I hope I will. Thank you, Lorraine. I mean, very, very interesting. And I wanted, when I decided to start those series of the discussion, private discussion about changing Africa, I was very much impressed by what you were doing and I wanted to start, I wanted you to be my first guest because you're talking about subject that very close to my heart. You're talking about impact. And I mean, over the last five years, I pushing impact, sustainability on being active and impactful for our population. But the second part, you're talking about creativity and you're talking about bridging the gap, bridging the links between the creativity, the financial resources, and you're talking about what can be achieved on our continent. I would just mention what we're doing with our art foundation on the continent. And I always say, I am just impressed by our young artists. They have got, I say this in French, there is a genie africain, an African genuity that where they're showing that they can create with little means, okay, with few resources, and they're doing amazing, amazing stuff. And recently we're seeing in the art space throughout the world, in Americas, in Europe, young African artists that are doing just incredible things. So I, it's very much important what you've been mentioned. So tell me another thing. In, if I may ask, sorry to interrupt, but you know what you call genie africain, is actually what we at Birimian call the African creative exception. And our raison d'être, our motto, is really to unleash that African creative exception to the rest of the world. So, so this is where we're aligned, and, and I think that's the right time to do it because that creativity is actually recognized and starts to, to talk to, to the others. So it's, it's now for us and to us, it's our responsibility as African to make this right for our African creative exception and to really put it on the map as you know, naturally the next path for growth and for the international fashion. So to me, That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I'm very much impressed about that. So, Lorraine, in June of this year, your company Berimien and IFM, which stands for Institut Français de la Mode, French Institute for Fashion, launched an incredible initiative, which is the first accelerator African program to help and accelerate emerging African heritage brands in the fashion, accessories, and jewelry sectors. How will the program support the firm? It works and with, how will it do? Well, so thanks as a very, very central question to our strategy and business model. When I've started Birimian, I've realized that when you look at all the emerging brands in Europe, for instance, Marine Serre, Jacques Mus, uh, Isabelle Marant, they were successful because they had access to an ecosystem, right? So to um, capacities building, to production capacities, and to 
distribution opportunities, well, to put to get it short to an overall ecosystem which will providing what they need to grow and expand. When you look at our brands, there is nothing, right? And those kind of ecosystem works with the support of the states. And I'm not, you know, um, I would say I'm ambitious, but I don't have the ambition to change the way uh, our governments are looking to creative industries, even though this is changing. So my solution was then to plug our brand to that ecosystem, which is actually successful and fertile. So EFM, the Institut Français de la Mode, is the leading institution in that ecosystem, which is actually providing that capacity building and that connection through the key stakeholders of the fashion industry in France and Europe and also internationally, Paris being the capital of the fashion of fashion and luxury. So how does it concretely work? Those brands have been onboarded um, in September into that accelerator. So they had a, a dialysis, so a 360 degree dialysis with a college of experts who have been reviewed all their aspect, all the aspect of their activity from uh, uh, collection structuring, production, uh, storytelling, marketing, digital strategy, everything. And they're coming up with a plan, which is a master plan which will support our investment strategy. So it goes hand in hand, EFM uh, bringing to us the capacity building, the expertise and the college of experts and Birimian bringing the financial tool to support that strategy through convertible and equity investments. I will also add that that program is also critical to us because it opens doors to those brands in terms of distribution, in terms of connection with also the other luxury houses which are um, supporting EFM. So to us, it's the key to their success and their internationalization in the sense that they will have access to international markets through that program. So we have been engaging discussion with uh, key wholesale retailers such as Canton, for instance. Uh, we're working with them on their um, digital expansion. And we're also working with the, the other key institutions such as WSN and La Fédération de la Haute Culture et de la Mode to prepare their, would say, commercial incubation and, um, and commercial exposure. Uh, more generally to that ecosystem. So very key to us and we're actually very grateful to EFM for their trust uh, and for their really strong confidence in our project and they're also promoting us. So they're a key, key strategic partner for us. Lorraine, I'm listening to you and I'm just impressed because you're doing in just this short period of time what certain countries, continents have built over generation. You're just accelerating and building an ecosystem that did not exist and bringing for them an audit, a kind of mentorship, plus you're telling them that we will finance you and we will help you to sell your product on the proper place, on the right place, on the right channel. I mean, this is just crazy doing and as you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation it's a challenge that is you must be very bold to achieve that challenge and congratulations to you so tell me just very very clearly when can i have access to those brands 
in the shops, in luxury goods shop in Europe or wherever. Mm -hmm. And which brand would be the first one? How many so are we talking about? So today we're talking about 10 brands, for instance. So today we have in that accelerator 10 brands and one brand which is not part of the accelerator. So today the beauty of Bumimian is actually functioning as a group, a group of 11 brands, which enable us to create synergies and economies of scale. And this is also how we are creating value for those brands. The second beauty of those respective brands is that they are what we call DNVB, so digital native vertical brands. So to answer simply your question, you can already have access to them through their own digital social networks. Those brands have been like put to the world through Instagram, through Facebook, to, through, well, basic social network tools. And this is also where in the African creative industries, we're seeing the, our continent leapfrogging the same way we saw those leapfrogs in fintechs, for instance, because we need to find those brands and designers need to be flexible and very uh, proactive and disruptive in their distribution strategy. So today they're available through social network, Instagram, and some kind of digital marketplaces. But our overall strategy is really to take a step beyond this and actually to create our own distribution, so digi digital distribution platform to distribute those brands and increase their market opportunities on the continent and internationally. Because guess what? When you actually ask me about diversity, the same goes for those industries. And I can tell you that one of our designers, for example, coming from South Africa is unknown in Cote d'Ivoire. Why? Because, you know, like there are so many silos on our continent that we also need to, to, to uh, I would say, unlock and, and kill those silos oh. to really increase those distribution opportunities. So there are so many things to be done, but digital, digital is really the key to us and to our success. Lorin. You are an impressive, inspiring woman. Being a woman in business in Africa, what were the challenges have you faced? If you were a man, would that be different? I think the answer is yes and no. There are different kind of challenges. Uh, the first one is being a woman in a man's world. So, so being a woman, you also have your own realities. You know? So I'm against, for example, those kind of... Uh, woman power lead movements and you know we're we're like the stronger blah 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 the reality is we have different realities for instance i'm a ma mother of two children i have a son of six years who's six years old and a daughter who's three years old so obviously i need to organize my life as a as an african leader differently and as a, as a chairman of a company differently. So, so this is also where I've created a, a company with on, only women, because I just want to sh give the example that this is possible to, to define our own way of leadership, taking into consideration those realities, not to make them as weakness, but actually as strengths. So this, the first thing is I'm all really calling all the women listening to me. You know, we have to pick and choose our battle and make sure that we are creating our own way of leadership and imposing it because we cannot fight with the same, 
I would say um, we, we cannot find the same way as, as men are fighting. This is not true and this will never happen. We're equal, but differently. The second thing is, is, is actually the guts, right? To, to go into the unknown. And this, is, this, this has nothing to do with being a man or a woman. I think this has to do with education. And this is where I circled back with my mom, actually, because she was a great role model to me. And this is where I'm actually taking that strength to go even stronger and higher, because I've always been educated with that same motto. You have to work on your legacy. So you have to make sure that whatever you do will stay when you're gone. So this is actually now what I'm working on. And second of all, you are at the level of your potential. So you, you need, each one of us needs to know its own potential and its why. That's, I think, the most difficult thing is to find one, one I mean, one's why. But once you get there, I mean, you're even stronger because you know this is the reason why you're on that turf and you know that's that path that you need to follow. And I think what's make me strong today as an African woman leader is that definitely as men, I can tell you that I, find, I found my why. And this is so unique because this is that inner strength. You know, I think that I can, you know, like rise mountain and I don't know how you say it in, in English. In French, we call it Soulever des Montagnes. But this is exactly what I'm doing now because I found my one. Yeah. What success will look for you in the next 10 years? For me, success will depend on whether Birimian will have been successful in actually leading a new way and imposing a new way of business of fashion, the African business of fashion, concretely speaking, success would look like, so successfully to me, the company which will work as an LVMH group, for example, so the Arimian, which will be recognized as the African version of a luxury conglomerate dedicated to African emerging brand. Secondly, success will be those brands being distributed in the main fashion temple, not only in Paris, but also in New York, London. And third of all, success will be the legacy. Success will be the legacy if Birimian survives me and become a sustainable institution. So unfortunately for me, for you, Asnan, success will not be in 10 years. This is too short. Success will be in 20, 30 years. Success for me will be that I'm not, I'm not there on that curve anymore, but Birimian survives me. This is what I'll call success, yeah. I met recently uh, an old friend from high school of mine, and we were discussing about uh, sustainability impact on the continent. And we were talking about a book, and I think there, the, the title and the summary was great. It was, do we want to be good ancestors? This is key. Basically, what you're telling me is exactly that. The success for you will not be now. The success for you will be in 30, 40 years after having seen the impact you would drive on this industry, the success you would be driving around your ecosystem. I, I, have, I have a last point, Lorraine, if I may. In terms of job creation, value creation of the continent, of course, in the next 10 years, you won't be able to answer 
but in the coming five years. Yes. You have an idea of the job creation, the impact you'll have on the ecosystem. You have a, a, an idea about that. Absolutely, and thank you very much for that question, Asnan. Because, for example, if I look at the portfolio of brands that we have only now, each of those brands is employing, on average, five to ten people being tellers, essentially. With our own investment, only on those ten brands, we're capable of increasing that number to 1.5 to 2 times. So on average, we're multiplying by 2 the number of people working for those brands. So on those 10 brands only, if you're saying that they have 10 employees times 220 and times 10 brands, 200 employees with our small, very small investments. So if we're successful and keep on doing this, I think that we can actually create like 200 to 1,000 jobs a year if we increase the number of brands we're working with. So in five years, this is massive. We have the power to create 1,000 jobs on a yearly and average basis with working with those brands, not directly and indirectly. This is the indirect component, which is very important. So this is a call to action actually, because Beerman is still fundraising. So we're actually going for more support, more investors that will give us more financial capabilities to reach more and more designers, more and more brands, and create more and more jobs. Because that industry needs structuring, that industry needs training, that industry needs capacity building. And it's not only a question of job creation, it's a question of creating an economy which will be very profitable and successful because today all those people are working into the informal sector. So we're talking about job creation, we're talking about training, we're talking about capacity building, and we're talking about structuring and formalizing an unstructured and informal economy. And you know what, Aslan, culture, and the African creative industries are actually a soft power because this is what will enable us from a sustainable basis to change our image and narrative. This is how we will ch change the way people are seeing us and eventually understand that the continent is a land of exception, elegance, creativity, power, most importantly, and growth. Wow, I love what you say. I love what you say, and for your call of action, don't forget the promise you made to me, Laurie. You will come <laughs> to my home country, and you will create job in my home country, Madagascar. Please don't forget that. Laurie, thank you so much for sharing your vision for the continent, your optimism, and this great energy. We, we heard your next challenges, and we wish, wish you best of luck, best of success, for the coming years. Much as nine. Thank you very much for that opportunity. Thanks and bye. Thank you for listening to the Changing Africa podcast. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into African business. I'm Hasnain Hirji, your host and CEO of Axion Group. Axion is a Pan-African group that operates in telecoms, finance, energy, open innovation, and real estate. We're dedicated to having a sustainable, positive impact 
on the day-to-day lives of Africans. Follow me on Twitter at Hassan Hirji. For more information about Axon Group, visit axongroup.com and follow us on Twitter at Axon Group. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the Changing Africa podcast. A special thanks to the Axon communication team and our guests for taking the time to speak with me today. I look forward to bringing you the next Changing Africa podcast soon. A bientôt and be well.